Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello and welcome to NBC IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week, the week of September 17th, we will be talking about Super Mario Bros. 35th anniversary, which was this past Sunday. And... 3D All-Stars is also out this week, so basically we're talking about a lot of Mario. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Zach Ryan. Hey, what's up? Pear Schneider. Happy birthday. And Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome. So, are you saying happy birthday to me, Pear? Because no, mine's in a couple days. When oh. is it? What? I'm the 20th, and it's my 40th, so this is, this is the big one. Happy birthday. It's all downhill from here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Nintendo got me got me 3D All-Stars for my birthday. Not literally. They haven't sent me a free copy. I'm waiting for my Best Buy order to ship. But that's the that's the game they released for my birthday, which I'm happy hey, about. Hey, is your, is your order getting delayed at all? Have you seen? I haven't seen anything yet. I pre-ordered from Best Buy uh, right yeah, like right in the I've, morning. I got it okay, in quick. So. I've, I've been seeing a lot of like horror stories on, on Twitter and stuff of people claiming that mm. their, their physical edition pre-orders are being delayed at different retailers. There's, Which a, is a there's an easy fix. There's an easy fix. Digital. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is that is the fix. Why not both? It's time. I know a it's lot of time. people are getting both. But um, yeah, let's start off by talking about what everyone wants to talk about, and that is Super Mario Bros. 3D All Stars is out on Friday, which is tomorrow if you're listening on the day of release. I hate and you, that Zach. 
is the one who got to play it early. And he didn't do a review, but IGN did publish an analysis. And I guess the first question, can you say why we did an analysis versus a review? Yeah, so um, I, I go into this a little bit in the analysis itself too, but um, so the idea behind these port analysis, and we've done we've done them recently for um, uh, Persona 4 Golden on PC and Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. It's essentially when things are ported to different platforms without like significant upgrades that warrant a new opinion on them, right? Like um, Super Mario 3D All-Stars is a collection of ports. And so, and I know a lot of people in the comments are going to be like, oh, actually, they're emulations. Um, yes, it's true that these are emulations. People have figured out, like, by due in large part to the leaks that Nintendo has emulated. But emulation here is the, is the medium, the, the, uh, the, the train in which Nintendo has chosen to port these to Switch. So, for all intents and purposes, they're technically the same thing. Um, but because they are just straight up ports of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy, the original reviews, the original review scores still stand. Um, this analysis is more so about how do these games run on the Switch? What is the, um, you know, what's the bonuses of getting this collection um, in terms of like extras, bells and whistles, et cetera. So um, that, that's why we elected to do a, a, an analysis versus a review. Um, and so... Yeah, in that, um, yeah, I think people, you know, people have been talking to me online all day today about how um, the, I, I, it seems like I'm really down on the games. And um, I'm not necessarily down on the games. What I'm down on is the, the collection, right? right. Um, so the, the, the collection is called Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And if, if I can speak to uh nintendo fans everywhere like take a look back at at super mario all-stars for the snes and now available on switch right um here you had a collection of games that had um completely redrawn sprites and backgrounds and um nintendo went through and tweaked the physics of the games to better reflect the feel of super mario world and um they offered an entirely new game that was unavailable to the u.s until uh, Super Mario All-Stars, and that was uh, The Lost Levels. Um, and in that, that collection is very much like a, uh, you know, it's like really worth the price of admission at that time. To call this Super Mario 3D All-Stars and have it just be the three games and the three soundtracks is like a little bit of a bummer, right? It does feel like a very bare-bones package because there are a lot of things that could have been done specifically in this collection that would re reflect the previous Super Mario All-Stars collection. And honestly, like. Ryan, I'm not trying to sell you out here, but you've never played Super Mario 64 or Super Mario Sunshine, right? Correct. And I and I won't be alone in oh no, I played right. I love Sunshine. Uh, okay. That's actually that's the thing I'm most looking forward to in this collection. Okay. I mean, a galaxy like you, Zach, Galaxy's my favorite of this bunch, mm -hmm. but uh Sunshine's the one I'm most looking forward to playing because I have super fond memories of it. I, I think I I have a stronger uh positive opinion of that game both then, uh, at least at the time, than, than you did, as you noted in your analysis. But uh, but yeah, like these, this will be a, a chance for a, a new generation of Nintendo fans to experience one or more of these for the first time. For me, I was I I went full PC gamer for those years, and I didn't have an N sixty four, so I never played, and I just have never picked it up on in any of the subsequent right. re releases. So I am looking forward to playing sixty four, but I'm definitely here for the nostalgia trip of sunshine because that hasn't been on anything right. as you noted in your in your analysis that hasn't been on anything since gamecube and then galaxy is is probably my f second favorite super mario game period so, ever so the deal with the deal with this collection that makes it a tough pill to swallow for me is that a lot of people are going to be coming to Super Mario 64 through this collection. A lot of people are going to be coming to Super Mario Galaxy in this collection. And I feel like Nintendo really had an opportunity to go in in the same way that they did in the original All-Stars and make some significant tweaks that would have helped make these games more accessible, make them more modern. And they've elected not to do that. And like specifically with Super Mario 64, obviously a groundbreaking game clearly helped define what 3d action platformers what video games would be moving forward 
but that game is 24 years old and it feels 24 years old. And the camera is, and like, I know people are going to pop off in the comments on this. The camera's bad. Like it's straight up a problem in, this in a game. 2020 context. You're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, like it's feels to me like, like people coming to that game now, and I'm curious to see what you have to say after you get an opportunity to play it. But like, you know, I wonder how many people are going to finish this game because they're going to get to the more difficult levels and be like, this camera sucks. Like I can't do the things that I want to do easily because the camera doesn't move in the way that it should in 2020. Um, Which particularly and, when I mean, you've been trained by the, the subsequent modern Mario's to have a better camera. Yeah. yeah. I think by and, your and, argument, what you're saying is basically people who experienced this game way back when are going to jump back in and their nostalgia is going to carry them and they understand the shortcomings, right? right. They might, might have forgotten about them, but they'll forgive them. Whereas like this was an opportunity to show ingenious level design and a, a great game and, and the music in Mario 64 is so freaking good. Man. Well, like, and that's the thing is like, yeah. like playing, playing Super Mario 64 now, it's really amazing to, to see the groundwork that it laid for... Mm-hmm. Mario games and 3D games that came after it, like playing levels like Wet Dry World, you can totally see it's reminiscent of Ocarina of Time, right? Like playing Mm -hmm. a a level like TikTok Clock, you can absolutely see like darker side of the moon in Mario Odyssey in that the precision platforming that has to take place there. Um, But it's 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 obtuse in the way that is that is kind of out of. out of the realm of discussion in 2020 because it is, it's difficult, right? Like it's, it's difficult because the camera yep. doesn't work super well. And it's difficult because you, you know, I, you have to make a lot of blind jumps in later levels and stuff. And like that, that just, it's disappointing to me that it's not included as like, and I said this in the analysis as well, like it's not a toggleable option. What would have been great is the opportunity to play like super Mario 64 definitive edition on this mm-hmm. collection or original super Mario 64. And each of these games has a few of those things. Like Super Mario Sunshine lacks inverted controls. Um, and like, that, you know... Oh, like, Ryan. Ryan yeah, is going to be mad. I mean, I yeah, I've been... In, Halo trained me to be an inverted player on a gamepad. Although on, on mouse and keyboard, I am just play normal view. But yeah, on gamepad, I'm inverted. So what I actually... Now you've got me wondering, Zach, if it was originally that way on the GameCube or if they've like actually they haven't removed the option, right? I, I must've just gotten by, uh, you back got in, by. The, in the GameCube no, days, but so now it's going to be tougher because I'm used to playing inverted. Well, the, the, the other, the other Nintendo GameCube games and 64 games, like all the Zeldas were automatically inverted and you couldn't change it back then. And then when they came out with wind waker on the Wii U, they made it so it's not inverted and you can't change it. So, so did I'm they do that sure. with sunshine? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that sunshine was not inverted when okay. right pair like you, you I feel like you've I played it remember. more recently than I have. I, I just always adjust. So like I don't actually right. perceive it like that. I, yeah. I just get used to it. But I know that it's an issue for for some. Yeah, well, it's just the gonna, fact of the matter is like there's no talk, but it's, it's going to screw me up when I go back to, to play any other game for a yeah, while. The, you you utilize. Okay. A, an over-the-shoulder perspective in Super Mario Sunshine a lot to like aim your stream of water, and there's no inverted option there, so it is going to mess a lot of people up. You know, like just like um, weirdly in Super Mario 64, uh, they've swapped the X-axis camera controls, so the X-axis camera controls are actually inverted, mm-hmm. which is like very bizarre to play now because like it messes up your muscle memory and timing when you're like trying to swap the camera and move the camera around. There's just like these weird little tweaks that are made throughout the collection that, that are kind of surprising to me. Right. Like just weird. But that's, but that's not changed from the original, is it? Because like in the, in Mario 64, you control the cameraman. So when you tell the cameraman to go right, the viewpoint shifts left. That's, so Mark, that's Mark Medina and I, right? Mark Medina and I got into a bit of a uh, conversation about this. I won't say argument, but a bit of a conversation yeah. about this. Um, uh, you know, we were talking about it, be, but he showed me in emulation. He's using the controller to move the camera exact, like in an uninverted way, like in the exact way that you would want it to go. And he was playing um, an emulated version of the original 1996 code before the Shindo version, which is the Shindo version is what is included on this collection. And that's a, a rumble pack game. Yeah. It's essentially the, the international version that we see now, right? Like it's, it's an updated version of super Mario 64's code that has a couple of bug fixes. It takes out the backwards long jump glitch, which is like hugely popular for speed runners of this game. Um, 
And so, you know, he showed me on his emulation, like, okay, this is how the camera worked in the original, and this is how it works on this collection. And it's different. It's backwards, um, which is a bummer. Uh, and I did just look I did just look it up, and Super Mario Sunshine had inverted camera controls. Okay, so, yeah, that's that was the conversation <laughs> I was hearing a lot. Anyway, yeah. Um, but 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 that's uh, this is the point. Like, I, I wasn't as disappointed as some that this was just going to be straight ports of the games. But I expected them to do some mild tweaks like that. I thought they would do some. We're having more, more like the, 2020 quality of life options. Yeah. To, you yeah. Know. That, that, that seems, that just shows you. Yeah. It's the exact game code. They didn't touch it. Right. Um, and I just, I just wonder why that is because it, well, honestly, it isn't for a, a large corporation like that. It isn't that hard to put people on this game and figure out how to make some changes. Just like it's not that hard to translate mario super Picross into english if you really wanted to right but they just choose to release these games in pure emulated form i don't think it's preservationism i think it's just i feel like this was they were it's, struggling to get well, their the, holiday lineup ready middle I, line like they're I, not it wasn't all out remade to be better and it wasn't all all out preserved so it's some weird yep. middle i, I think they're and they know this was this is going to be a big seller this fall. It's our, the yeah. physical versions already selling out at pre-orders. Like they knew this was going to do well. They could have invested a little bit of time and resources into into some of these quality of life things that Zach and has has rightly pointed out. So and, I bet and this let me was say a, late, that, a late project to oh, fill totally. a gap in their release schedule. Yeah, and and I saw some rumors that about like people hacking the because the game did leak a couple of days early, and so that's how people found out that there was the the code was being emulated on the Switch and not straightforward ports. Um, and yep. I did see some rumors flying around that people hacked that that leaked code to find the earliest files that are updated on the the leak were from February. So that means that this wow. game started like like. The, this idea, this project came together like yeah, very very quickly. Uh, supposedly, don't don't quote me on that. It might be but, wrong, but um, it could have also, But it but it could have been planned as separate releases that you just before and download for fifteen or twenty bucks, right? Right. And like, I gotta think the original release was three D World remake, and that mm-hmm. got pushed into the next year because that's arriving now very very late for an anniversary celebration, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it already so, is. Yeah. So. Uh, I just want to say this to everybody that's listening, everybody that's watching. I love all three of these games. I think all three of these games are very, very good games, great games. Super Mario Galaxy, and I said this in my analysis, is I think, for what it's worth, the best 3D platformer ever made. Like, I think that game is amazing, top down. And um, to play it here, especially like on a pro controller where you can use, you, you know, you utilize... You play the pro controller just like with Odyssey, but you have the pointer built in so you can collect your lums and do your spins mm-hmm. by shaking and stuff like that. It feels phenomenal. And like the whole time that I was playing Galaxy, I had this big stupid grin on my face. You know, that that special grin that Mario gives you when you're playing it, right? Like, I, and, and I felt that for all three of these games. I just think as a collection, as a whole, it's a bit of a disappointment. And yes, we are a Nintendo podcast. And yes, we're all Nintendo fans, but it's also important to be critical when that criticism is warranted. And I definitely feel like that's, that's where I'm coming from. If if this was a review, I probably would have given the collection a seven. But this is a, a group of games that we rewarded 9.4, 9.8, you know, 9.7. Like they're obviously amazing games um, that shouldn't be missed if you haven't played them. So awesome! I, I'm I'm really looking forward to playing them. Which is funny because I could hook up all these systems and play the originals too. But it's just something different when when you get to play it on the Switch. Yeah, with- and Harry, you still have you still have a TV with RCA outputs. <laughs> um, no, but I have a, I have a converter. Oh, have, nice! Uh, yeah, nice. for my HDMI for my GameCube, which is freaking awesome. That's oh, that's cool. Totally off. Like honest, I was going to play Sunshine, but now hearing that I can't invert the controls, I'm prob I'm I might not even get it anymore. I don't play know. It. You gotta. <laughs> oh, it's, come on. Really, it's so good. I, I you know so I it's in games when you can't invert the controls. I just yeah. I just. <laughs> For um, me, sunshine system level. Sunshine is is a. It really is like a summery escape, which in 2020 and this summer, I just need. I need that in my in my life yeah. right now. So I am looking forward, even though it's going to make me. It's going to frustrate me for the first like probably half an hour or so as I try to get used to uninverted look on on a game that, as Zach pointed out, you need to you need to shoot the flood 
uh it's gonna make me mad for a while but yeah that game it's it gets it's gotten hated on over the years and i just like i'm not with that hate at all i think it's just a it's it's a bright summary game in tone and execution and it's a great platformer yeah i hope and i know a lot of people are going to play it for the first time in this collection and and i'm uh i'm i'm glad people are going to get to play it even if it's not enhanced at all really and it's not they don't have invert camera options it's i'm still glad it's coming back yeah i put this in the analysis and like that game came out to to pretty unanimous critical reception like most outlets really loved that game and uh i think over time it became sort of the it it was derided you know like uh, it's only been in the last couple of decades since the game's release that people are like oh actually that's a pretty bad game um I don't think that I've never felt that way. I've always really loved Super Mario Sunshine. I think that of these three games, it feels equal to Super Mario Galaxy in the way that you can string together all these like, you know, long jumps to hovers to dives to triple jumps. Like it just feels so, for lack of a better word, fluid, right? Like it's a really great, right? I think what, I think what hamstrings Super Mario Sunshine a little bit is that they overcorrected from Super Mario 64, where Super Mario 64 is like, get to the end of the level and get the star. Super Mario Sunshine has all these different like level objectives and stages. And it's like a little bit like, you know, like in one level, you have to jump on a, um, a, a certain pipe until a specific fruit drops. And then you take that fruit to a Yoshi egg and then you ride Yoshi to spit his weird stomach acid at fish. And then the fish form the platforms and you jump off the plat. Like, it's just really kind of obtuse in that way but it's not bad and like i think people kind of got on my case because i said that the game tonally is weird as hell but like it is a super weird game like it starts with mario going to jail like it's it's a very strange (laughs) game tonally but it's still like one of the best platformers ever made and i still really love that game i said in the my analysis that it's a good game a very good game but not i don't feel like it's a great game so it's it's funny because you can see where Nintendo was in their kind of maturity as storytellers with that game. The you know a lot of the GameCube games, the story sequences are afterthoughts, and they mm-hmm. look like they just were farted out by yeah, by totally. a programmer. Like Mario is like when he's sitting in jail, it just looks wrong, and like yeah. the you know the voice acting of the piantas and is like objection overruled it's like somebody's yeah. just farting this out just because they have to explain why why he's here and why he's in jail and the same thing happened with the uh with luigi's mansion the original as well um not wind waker it, though. wind waker's great no no for sure and that series always they tried to always tell the story really well with cutscenes, and like you can see like how sunshine was this step into a direction that was more zelda like but they weren't ready for that story stuff and like the piantas are just awful like they're terrible character design and everything is so bad but i have so many fond memories of uh, mario sunshine they're these places that really they're levels that play with height you know where you jump down into the water from really high up there's uh, speeding over the water super fast, like these almost wave race sequences and stuff. It's a really fun game. Zach, yeah. I have a question for you. Having, sure. having, you know, waiting for my copy on Friday. So you, you, in your analysis, you specifically called out that you spent a good amount of time, like you preferred Galaxy specifically with the Pro Controller. Uh, my intention would be to play this entire thing, all three games with the Pro Controller docked on the TV. Is that is that uh, like? Do you think that's the best way to go for all think, three games, or do you feel like spent, the Joy-Con? I think I spent probably seventy five percent of my time in the review playing through a uh, Pro Controller on the TV. Um, yeah, and I should I should also caveat this by saying uh, if I did minimum star minimum shine runs for every game so i did you know uh 70 stars in 64 50 shines in in uh sunshine and uh 60 stars in galaxy to complete each game um but i played majority on pro controller and they all feel great on pro controller uh galaxy does lend itself to to joy con controls because it most closely replicates the one-to-one feel of the the wiimote and nunchuck um but like i said like the the using the pro controller as a pointer is is equally great the only thing about galaxy that's a little bit weird is playing it in handheld mode um you uh you have to take your right hand instead of a pointer you use your you use the touch screen to collect lums to to grab on to pull stars uh, or the uh sling pods um and so you have to take your right hand off of the face buttons to to collect lums during movement. And so that that kind of breaks the flow of movement. But it does do a couple of interesting things. Um, it makes 
grabbing onto pull stars and using the sling pods like way easier. Like for some of those like difficult sling pods levels, I I prefer that handheld mode because you can just it's like using an iPhone. You know, you can just like oh that's lined up, that's perfect. You can just do it kind of rapid fire. Um, and then there's a couple of race levels in Galaxy that use the tilt controls from if you remember i think you held the the wiimote uh horizontally and tilted to to kind of control like your manta ray that you're riding on or whatever and that actually feels like much more improved it w- using the pro controller i felt oh, like good. i had better control on some of those levels so um so yeah. silly zach you should uh, have kids like uh, like ryan and i because we can have player two grab all the lums yeah that's true <laughs> make him do the dirty work yeah yeah it's got that daddy mode in it remember I am interested to see like what people think of playing it on the Switch Lite because your only real option there is to do the the touchscreen controls um, or hooking up separate Joy-Con and figuring out how to like stand your Switch Lite. Yeah, up. But, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a stand out there now with like a magnifying glass on it, right? Kind of like how mm. they had those things for Game Boy the Colors, Game Boy. but yeah. Eh. But anyway, we were just talking about Super Mario Bros. Uh, not the 35th anniversary, but. 3D All Stars -stars. for um, quite a while now, but we did you know it's also the 35th anniversary this week? I'm sure you know because we've been talking about it for like a month now, and it's been all over the internet, and that's why we got Mm -hmm. this game. But uh, on Sunday, on September 13th, marked the 35th anniversary of the release of the original Super Mario Bros. for the NES in 1985, and it's. I don't know if any of you want to like talk about this. I'm not going to get super deep into it. But um, from what I've heard, that the release of that video game revived video games after a crash in 1983. And it's because of that game. I, I lived through the crash as I'm old, like Ryan. <laughs> I lived through the crash in that I completely lost interest in video games after the Atari started to fail. I, I did re-engage a little bit in the home computer age, if you remember Commodore uh, 64 and Atari. But the NES actually passed me by too. It wasn't until the Super NES, the Super Famicom, that I got back into it. But I knew all my all my friends were talking about Mario and the NES, and you know, uh, I, I just wasn't ready to go back yet. Um, I don't know, Ryan, did you get the NES when it came out? Yeah, that, that's interesting that you and I have kind of complimentary like you're a bit older than me but so i like i said i'm turning 40 so i was kind of the the right age as a kid to to be you know to catch the nintendo fever i didn't get one right away it was not a thing that like i i was completely unaware of video games until after the nes came out because again like my early childhood video games were effectively not a thing because of the crash so the nintendo comes out and I guess it must have been one friend or a couple of friends get it. And it, it took a couple, it took a year or two, I would say, after the thing had been out in the United States, where I tried it at some point. I mean, if, I guess I had been playing, maybe, I don't know if I'd been playing any games in the arcades, but in any case, um, it was really Super Mario Brothers when, when playing that at, at somewhere, friend's house, what have you. And Super Mario Brothers was the game that, turn me yeah. into a gamer like that's why i'm sitting here today at, at the end of the day and so yeah it was i got mine a, a few years after launch and yeah super mario brothers was the game that that set me on on my path and here i am so that's i'll always be you know emotionally indebted to, to mario and the franchise for that and that's for me just as a quick sort of aside i i loved the original zelda too but for me I, I've just always I think I love that Mario has always reinvented himself uh, it, across the mainline Mario games, whereas Zelda really Breath of the Wild was a much needed reinvention. But it I think I feel like Zelda over the years had been more iterative. And so I think Mario, I've always connected with the Mario games more because they've it's they've never been afraid to just throw everything out and just reinvent the entire genre as they go. So that's I, I that's why I. I do love this collection, or I plan to love it when my copy arrives in the mail. Uh, thanks to Zach, though, for at least tempering my expectations, and and uh, I am glad that this collection is going to be out there and to uh, for a new generation. Even though, although thinking about it, like cynically thinking about it, with I guess Mario Sunshine's 20th anniversary would be in 2022, mm-hmm. and the 25th anniversary of 64 would be what next year. So this this port collection probably ruins any chance of a 
like full blown remake, like in the Odyssey engine or or whatever of of like a more complete ground up kind of celebration of these games because that that would have been cool like i i would happily pay 60 dollars each for full-on yeah. remakes of these three games with you know full 1080p don't, 60 frames don't say that too loudly support. don't let yeah, them don't, know don't well, they're don't not gonna do them. it now at least not no, for they're going to take years. Years. maybe it's limited release because they're planning on doing that for, for, for no, no. games. they would have no. me i would buy i would probably buy them again but so, I'll, I'll take what i can get here so I, I want to remind you guys, um, you know, on the shelf behind me are packs of Nintendo playing cards, Hanafuda cards, um, which date back decades. Remember, this is a company that's more than 100 years. So where other businesses have a three-year business plan, they probably have one for the next 100 years. There's a Mario 64 full remake somewhere coming in 2042 uh, <laughs> for you. But no, I'll say they, they, do have, they do have one studio that they work with on um remakes um uh, Grezzo. and you know Grezzo gave us uh awakening we haven't heard what they're they, they did luigi's mansion in 2018 we, we don't know what their game is for this year maybe they worked on pikmin we, we, we don't know but um i have a feeling they always have them tinkering away on some sort of redo but yeah i i wouldn't guess that it was mario 64 i feel like the closest thing you're going to get is, is that final world in in odyssey for now um, yeah. But back to the history quickly. So yeah, the the original Mario Brothers was out in 1985 um, in in Japan uh, on the Famicom, and then obviously on the NES. And you were saying the series was reinventing itself. The the first sequel, which is you know Lost Levels now, uh, was kind of a re- reinvention because Nintendo said, uh, "Oh yeah, you think this game was too easy? Well, try this." And so they made like basically the competition super hard version. And then, then the game that we in the West got obviously was a, a, a re remake of Doki Doki Panic, right? Doki like a changed yeah. version of that game, where the gameplay couldn't be more difficult, different, right? Like the way that you go, you pick up turnips and all of that, and like you could stand on enemies, which isn't something that you ever do in the original games. Like enemy means death, and in this yeah. case, it's like no enemy mouth means death. You can stand <laughs> on top. Like it's it's just really interesting how the series has changed over the years and that's still happening even if you look at new super mario brothers on the wii u and you say well it looks kind of like the original mario brothers it's four player to do that game as a four player game means creating a completely different game you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's a a a very brief history but before i wanted to ask all of you what is do you think is the best mario game out of all the traditional marios uh, mine's Super Mario World. Okay. Zach? Uh, honestly, it's a cop-out, but I would say it's probably a two-way tie. I think the best 2D game is Super Mario World, and I think the best 3D game is Super Mario Galaxy. What about you, Yeah, Ryan? I guess if, if I'm going to cheat like Zach just did, uh, for me, I would Super Mario Brothers 3 is is the all-time. That's the GOAT for me. But on the 3D side, I'm I'm completely with Zach on Galaxy. And, and you-, you know, a lot of people say that Galaxy 2 is... is better and i totally get that but for some reason i think i think it's just because i played it first and it like totally blew my mind first like galaxy has always been the front runner of that series not to say that galaxy 2 doesn't have some amazing moments but yeah they're just like that you know mario's in space and he's running around these 3d spheres and and i have to think about how i play mario completely differently was the thing that i really, like i could not out. agree with you more zach i i do actually think at least as I, in my recollection because i haven't played uh galaxy 2 since it came out but i re- i remember my feeling like galaxy 2 was technically i thought it was a better game i mean it had yoshi mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah like galaxy 1 was was a was again that total reinvention like mario had just done something that we'd never seen in in yeah. th- in platforming before and uh so yeah i'm, I'm totally even with you this, on galaxy even in 1. this most recent playthrough of galaxy and this is probably like the fourth or fifth time i've played through galaxy i there's moments where i was just like i i can't believe that i'm doing this like i can't believe that this is what's in this game and that that to me is that feeling that that elevates it above the sequel but yeah what about you casey uh, uh i don't know but did you know that there are three mario games in metacritic's top 20 highest scoring games and those are mario super mario galaxy galaxy 2 and odyssey and all three of those have 97s, but IGN has only given a couple tens, and that has also been Odyssey, Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, Super Mario Galaxy 2. 
I'd have given Galaxy one and two tens had I been working in IGN at that time. For some reason, I thought you reviewed Super Mario Galaxy two for IGN. Is that not true, Ryan? No. Uh, What year was that one again? Was that Uh, that was that would have been two thousand nine? Yeah, that was before I worked here. Okay, so 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 I want to be clear: the original Mario. 64 actually got a 10 on ign it's just that we changed our review scale oh. um, we used to we used to have hats as a scale on n64.com <laughs> and i think doug, doug perry reviewed it originally and back then reviews were only like this big but mm-hmm. uh, i think he gave it it was either 10 stars out of 10 or 10 hats out of 10 i think they had to replace the hats because of copyright infringement uh, <laughs> questions from nintendo saying don't make your site look so much of like the official one yeah. Um, and then later we rescored a lot of the full scale um, games to having like the the dot whatever, and I think that's when we picked like nine point eight or whatever it got. I, I have no regrets about giving Odyssey a ten. I, I remember at the time uh, there yeah. were a number of people that were like, "Oh, it's not that you know, it's not a ten, blah blah blah." But I, that's still one of my favorite reviews that right. I've been lucky enough to do at IGN because I feel like I I did a good job of conveying. To, to what Zach was saying about Galaxy, I feel like I did a good job of conveying the joy that I felt playing that video game in that review. And it, that, what a just such a tremendous experience. Uh, if you have not played Super Mario Odyssey and you're an NBC listener, please fix that and play Odyssey. It's tremendous. I think every, everybody and their mom ordered this game, right? The yeah. collection. Yeah. It sold yeah. so well already. I, I think chances are everybody's finally going to play it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we might as well throw that in here now, but it's it's the physical copies are all sold out mm-hmm. everywhere. You can't get it. Yeah, they've, they've got to do another run for Black Friday, right? I mean, that, that would yeah. be leaving a they ton of money on the table. Um, no, they, Ryan, they told you, you were correct that Galaxy did come out in 2010. Okay. To, yeah. Make Thank that you. quick correction. Yeah. Good memory. So, you know, I. IGN, we we run uh, deals content on IGN. We've got little pre-order links next to articles and stuff. And they're they're placed by a separate team. It's not the editors who do that. And um, this collection is the most pre-ordered thing through IGN in Mm -hmm. the history of IGN. So Not not the most pre-ordered Nintendo game, like the most pre-ordered thing ever, period. Yeah. 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 So more than any console, um, more than than any uh, game. So that should give you an idea that this, it's just going to do incredible numbers. I'm, I have something I could start a new conversation, but I'm not going to. So instead, I'm just going to say my first Mario game was Super Mario World. So I don't know if that nice. is maybe the best, but it's probably my f- personal favorite. I actually really like Super Mario Bros. 2, even though it's not technically the second one. But those two, I think, are my favorite Mario games that I've played. I've, yep, I've said it many times on this podcast, but I think that Super Mario World is the only game ever made that's actually a perfect game. I think it's a perfect video game. It really is incredible. I was thinking that the other day too, I, you know, I was, uh, I was playing, um, digging into some co-op games with with my daughter and like just thinking about how Super Mario World has aged, like how perfectly it has aged. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Mario 64 and the game struggling with a camera and how it's kind of tough to play this game today. Like Mario World does not have any of these issues. Like, and it will, it will never will. Like, yeah, it, it's just so timeless. Look wise, too, it's mm-hmm. so good. Like, I don't some know people what... may complain about the slipperiness of the, you know, the controls are a little slippery. You have to get used to that. But you know, yeah. I don't know what retrospectives have been done on Super Mario World. But gosh, in a, in a perfect world, in a non non COVID world, and and a world where I spoke fluent Japanese, which is I don't speak a word, and I would love to just go. And and speak to that entire development team about mm-hmm. that that the, the development of that game and you know they were making the the launch game the killer app the packing game which of course we don't have anymore really the packing game for the the next generation Nintendo like I, it would be so much fun to sit down and and get inside the get inside the minds of of those people that made that game. There's a little bit of that in the, uh, you know, there's a documentary that um, I think some of us have already seen, the Console Wars deck documentary that's going to be on Hulu, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, based on the book. Uh, and uh, that one has a lot of the back and forth in it between, you know, the two system apps, right, like so the killer apps, Mario versus Sonic. I think most of the interviews are from the U.S. side of the business. So you get like, you know, classic NOA people because Nintendo's Japanese designers are a little elusive. You know, it's tough. Right. To, that's um, part of the problem. Yeah, they, that's yeah. why that's why it'd be so great to sit down with these these people. Mm-hmm. It's, they're they're 
they tend to not do that on the Japanese development side of things. I mm-hmm. I totally agree. Like if you go back to that game now, like if you have never played Super Mario World, you really got it. It's like just the simple concept of a character riding another, you know, like riding a horse in this case, Yoshi, like that mechanic and how it works and how it feels. And the fact that you can jump off him and use it to get higher, like there's so much nuance to the game design. It's, it's really incredible still. Mm-hmm. But with that, I did want to. So we were just talking about our favorite Mario games, and I did post an article asking for your the audience favorite Mario games. And so I wanted to take a look at that. Um, this they're called Yappas, and if you're not familiar, these are this is a video commenting tool at the bottom of every IGN article. But sometimes for Nintendo Voice Chat and for like uh, Unlocked Ryan's Xbox podcast, they we put out questions that you can answer, and then we play on the show like we're doing right now. And this first one is from Nathan and his favorite Mario, Super Mario Bros. 3. Hey, MVC. Hope you guys are doing well. I listen to your show every week. My favorite game is Super Mario Bros. 3 on the NES, and I believe it is the series perfected. With the introduction of multiple new power-ups, mysterious-themed worlds, and all-new enemies, this game defined what the Mushroom Kingdom is today. I find the levels, with their emphasis on quick acrobatics, work extremely well with the core of the series, versus the exploration and revisiting of levels done in later games. I love every single Mario game, but Super Mario 3 is the series perfected. I also got to say that the Nintendo Power guidebook for this game was epic when I was a kid, giving names to all the enemies in the game. Lastly, it's played with the best controller in the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, then there it is in in his background. Yeah. Yeah. Super Mario Bros. 3 uh... did... Sorry, I was just going to say it did introduce a lot of things that were then used in like all Mario games after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, Ryan, I'm that's yours, him. right? I'm with him. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers 3. The, the, I mean, all the different suits that Mario could get. I mean, it was uh, the music, the uh, just everything about that game after, you know, one, of course, being my, my entree into video games, period. And then two, to your, to Pear's point earlier, being just totally different. And then three kind of came back to that original style of one, but evolved it hugely. And yeah, three. And then I also was exactly the right age to be susceptible to the marketing of The Wizard, the movie with Fred Savage that came out before the game did. And I was like, ah, Super Mario Brothers 3. And so, yeah, I was I was marketed to perfectly, but also that game turned out to be perfect. By three, by three, Nintendo's design team uh, and, and programming team had come, become so uh, proficient that they overcame some of the earlier challenges to making the game they wanted to make. If you go back to Mario, Super Mario, right? Like it scrolls to the right, but you can't go back, right? The right. screen shuts you off. Whereas, like as they got better and better at using the hardware, they were able to solve those issues and really make the games they wanted to make. And three just has. So much going on with the uh, multi-level scrolling and like yeah. moving ships and all of that. It's it's just a fantastic game. And it's on the same hardware that Super Mario World benefited from having all these fancy new effects with Mode 7 and all of that. And freaking sound chip. It was amazing. And this next Yava is from Brennan, whose favorite is Super Mario Bros. 2. Which one? Brennan. Hi, this is Brennan Bova from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Um, my favorite Super Mario game, an unusual pick, but it's because it was the first game I ever oh, played, no. Super Mario oh, Brothers no. 2. And I always played as Peach because she could fly, and that made it easier. And I don't know, I still have a really special place in my heart for that game, partially because of how unusual it is. And I mean, just by virtue of it not technically being a mario game it's completely unlike every other mario game and i really dig that yeah i just yeah, want to play super that mario brothers 2 yeah, yeah i 100 is agree. my favorite <laughs> nes yeah that's my favorite nes mario game like uh, the, in terms of the original three that's the yeah. one i've probably played the most yeah same i always I, I always like, wondered how people people here perceived it like in because i you know i, I lived in japan um I went to Japan right after high school, right? And Mario Brothers 2 was obviously a different game there. And USA, it was called USA. And it was always regarded kind of like as this odd game. Like you could tell people were like, it's too different. Was that the same case here? Or were people just happy with the changes? 
I don't remember it being, I don't remember anybody being like weirded out by it at all. Like it was just, Oh, yeah. this is super Mario brothers too. And it, it's totally different. And I, I didn't come to learn until years later that it, that it was actually a different game that became super Mario brothers too. And also, yes, I use peach. Uh, peach is my go-to in super Mario run largely mm-hmm. for that reason as well. So I'm totally with yeah. Brennan on that. Good. Yeah. So thank you so much, uh, Nathan and Brennan for those yaps. Um, I actually did want to move on into more news territory because I know Ryan, you do have prior engagements that you have to go do, but I did want to get your opinion now that we know the prices of the new Xbox coming out this fall and the new PlayStation coming out this fall. How do you think that would affect Nintendo? And I wanted you here because you're our Xbox guy. So for everyone out there who doesn't know, um, Xbox Series X is $499 and the Series S is $299 and they're coming out on November 10th. And we just learned today, the day that we were recording this, that the PlayStation 5 is coming out on November 13th for $499. But the disc November, 12th. List, November 12th. I don't know why mm-hmm. I said 13th. It's, uh, but anyway, the discless version is $399. Um, but $300 that's the same price as a, as a switch. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I don't think, I honestly don't think anything either of these two companies does affects Nintendo or vice versa. Nintendo's always, uh, or at least certainly in more recent years has, has marched to the beat of their own drum. I guess starting with the Wii really is where they yeah. just said, we're going over here. You guys do whatever you're going to do. It's fine. We're going on the, going this way. And, and it's, I mean, the, the switch has been the number one selling console for, I don't know. It's how many months now? It's a long, it's been a while since either the PS4 or Xbox one has, has dethroned at the top, the NPD hardware sales charts. And yeah, I it's, I don't think it matters at all. Uh, what these guys are up to Nintendo is going to keep doing its thing. And, and it's, and that's fine. Like it's, it's great that, that they're not just all three different color. It's not, they're not just red, green, and blue clones of each other. I like that they're they're taking different approaches to things, especially Nintendo, obviously, with their their sort of game design approach and their first party portfolio. So, um, yeah, go Nintendo. I mean, would I love a, a, a am I ready for that Switch Pro or whatever this new hardware refresh is going to be? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, I've got I'm very lucky to have a nice new 4K TV and I, I would I would love to have a more powerful version of the Switch. But yeah, their Nintendo will. Nintendo get a Nintendo and everybody's going to probably buy it and one or both of the other consoles as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think I honestly think Nintendo is not going to drop the price for the switch this holiday season. It's just, it's just moving too fast. Like it's it's selling, selling selling too well. They're going to, they're going to do two 99 with a packet and that's going to be, they're going to have some value offering where you get three months of online free and you get this pack in like one of their biggest games, probably going to be packed in like, like Odyssey or something. And, and they're just going to wait this out until they get their new hardware and then drop the price. What do you think, Zach? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Pear's right. I think that it's just, you know, they're just making too much money to try and drop the price. Like they don't need to be competitive. They're competing with themselves at this point. You know, when but, switch, when switches are sold out constantly, when, when, you know, they're, they have the two highest selling pieces of software in 2020. Like they're obviously doing something right. They've clearly cornered a market there that like, I don't, I don't think that they need to, to really. And, and like Ryan said, like, Nintendo doesn't need to compete with Sony and, and Microsoft because they've already got a, this built-in audience that just continues to get bigger. So uh, totally, more power but to the them. price, man. I PlayStation coming in at three ninety nine was a surprise to me. Yeah. Like I thought yeah. they would. I thought the discless version would be four forty nine, something like that, yeah. fifty bucks totally off agree. the full one. Yeah, and they coming in at three ninety nine. That is incredibly aggressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's getting I, I was already leaning, the switch. Yeah, I was already leaning digital for for PS5 since I'll have I'm going to get the Series X and that'll have a disc drive if I want to watch like a 4K Blu-ray movie, but yeah, 399 for PS5 digital when I buy all my uh PS5 or PlayStation and Xbox games digitally already, like yeah, I'm going to save the 100 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Um I just noticed something that I feel like we need to point out here. Ryan's got a couple of hidden Easter eggs in his shot. Mm-hmm. If anybody hasn't noticed yet, that looks like <laughs> oh, the next gen Xbox consoles behind you there, huh? They're fake. Well, uh, they are fake. Yeah. There are pictures. Yeah. They send us some dummy units just to, they're hollow. There's nothing in them. If you want to see 
it's just to get an idea of the size of them because the the Series S is really small. Uh, mm-hmm. Although maybe not by Nintendo standards. Nintendo fans are used to smaller consoles, but by Xbox um, standards, yes, by Xbox yeah. standard, or or quite frankly by PlayStation, PlayStation standards, standards pretty too, small. Yeah. But yeah, there's a whole photo gallery uh, comparing it to the Switch and every other console that I have in my house here during during quarantine. Uh, if you just Google IGN Xbox Series X uh, comparison pictures or comparison pics, I think that should pull it up real quick. Nice. I was right I was gonna say, look how look how tiny consoles used to be. They got really big at one point. <laughs> yeah, that's Nintendo's but- 70s design here. But hey, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us for this Mario chat and for this discussion about the next gen consoles. But I know you need to go run for next gen console watch. Indeed. The show must go on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. Seeing it, man. Likewise. Yeah, there we go. And we're back with some more news. And the other the only other piece of news besides that really big piece of news as far as like how expensive the PlayStation is going to be. There are some announcements for the Nintendo Switch online coming out on September 23rd. So we got Donkey Kong Country last week or last month, rather. But now we're going to get Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest. And we're also going to get Mario's Supercross which I would like Pear to speak on. We're also getting the Peacekeepers and SCAT Special Cybernetic Attack Team. I don't know anything about those other two games. Mm-hmm. Well, but- I mean, first of all, you, you fell into the trap. Um, that game is actually called Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Kong Quest. Quest. Wait, that's right. It's, huh? I see, no. I see it run. Don't worry. It's, it's, it's a pun on Conquest. Uh, yeah oh gosh very no dude sorry everybody everybody does that it's just funny um and it's absolutely incredible useless but awesome knowledge um if you can share that at the party if you just you know you go to a party and walk up to people and nobody's going to parties in 2020 dkc2 is actually diddy's conquest yeah so that's you you guys know i um i don't love the donkey kong country games as much as i love the mario franchise but i was always impressed with uh just the commitment to absolutely bonkers secrets secrets everywhere in the series and i the the second one is definitely a step up from the first one so it's awesome that we get to play this so soon after the first dkc yeah i'm looking forward to playing diddy's conquest because i feel like i've played the original donkey kong more recently but i haven't played the sequel in a very long time so yeah I actually and only then, had Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country 3. I never played the second one. So Oh, nice. You're in for a treat. A it's a very good game. Get ready to conquest. <laughs> uh, and then they announced Mario Super Picross, as you said. I figured you would lead with this story because obviously this is by far this the, is the biggest, biggest announcement this month. Yeah. Sony better quiver in their boots because, you know, the old Super Famicom Super Picross is coming back. Um it's 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 a good game. It's uh, this this is an early example of this beloved Picross puzzle game nonogram series that you get to play now. It is going to be completely in Japanese. Um, Nintendo couldn't be arsed to hire some hacker to just yeah. translate what little Japanese is in there. Seriously, it's not that hard. People do ROM hacks all the time. Surely, surely somebody can do this. Um, it's got, it probably already exists games. out there somewhere. Of course it does. But yeah. a- anyway, it's, it doesn't really like if you've ever played a Picross game, uh, it doesn't really need any explanation or you don't need to be able to read the stuff in there. Um, and if not, Nintendo also put out a how to play um, guide for it in English. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good game, but it is it is dated. Like it doesn't feel as good as the Pic- Picross S series that you used to uh, on the Switch. But it's, um, you know, it's like you're literally chipping away at blocks um, in this game. It's like it's got the stone motif and you're finding, you know, Mario characters and all of that behind the numbers. Um, it's definitely worth a look. That is about all of the news for this week. So and there's not really much out this week besides Mario, unless there's anything you guys want to talk about, because I looked at the list and there wasn't really anything I thought. I've, yeah, I've only been playing Mario, Just- so. Just yeah. stuff we talked talked about last week too, right? Like mm-hmm. Unrailed and all that stuff is out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I went because of that. I went back and played older games, mm-hmm. and that's a perfect segue, sir. What you're playing this week, there? <laughs> I because I've finally finished all these big long games across all these different systems. 
I went back to uh, picking up Xenoblade Definitive Edition where I left it and was instantly remembered, uh, reminded how much I like it. You know, I'm like uh, 30 hours in, I'm continue to keep on playing. It takes a while to get back into the systems because you learn them over time. And when you don't play for uh, a couple of months, it's like, ah, how does this work again? Yeah. Would you then, say that you're really feeling it? I'm really feeling it. No, I'm, okay. I really, I really enjoy this game. I think it's great. And then uh, my daughter and I, um, you know, we played through, uh, we played through Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze together, and already extolled its virtues last week. And so then we were, we were looking for another Switch co-op game. Played some uh, Unrailed. Played some Hyrule Warriors. Got annoyed with it, and we moved on to playing Captain Toad, which is fun to a point and gets super annoying in co-op because it's so hard to control the camera and do things together in some of the harder faster levels and then we went back to super mario brothers u deluxe and we're playing that in co-op and i remember how absolutely evil that game is (laughs) it's so evil it's it is it's a lot of fun i mean if you want to get mad at each other like lightheartedly right yeah, but but the takeaway is, man, the Switch is a fantastic console now for co-op games. There's so mm-hmm. many really, really good co-op games just from Nintendo. And, yeah, um, totally. you know, I already talked enough about Picross, but I don't think people know what a joy Picross in co-op is. It's really good. Picross two-player is fantastic. I didn't, I didn't even know that existed. Oh, it's so good. It's you're you're sharing the same screen and you're you're solving things together, but every point you put down counts towards your score. So there's a little bit of a light competitive factor in there. Okay, it's really good. Well, Zach, are are you playing anything else this week besides Super Mario 3D so, All Stars? Like I said, I, I did a I did a minimum star run of 64. I did a minimum shine run of Sunshine, and then I did 60 stars in Galaxy. And then now I've been going back through. I think I'm gonna 100 percent Galaxy. I haven't done that since probably the game came out. So um, I'm going to go back through and try to get all those stars. Um, and then maybe I'll work my way back through the other two. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm for the foreseeable future, I'm going to spend all of my time on Switch playing uh, Mario mm-hmm. because uh, I just love a good Mario game, you know? Me too. I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Although I, I might not play Mario 64 for a while because we had we had that game hooked up next to Sam's desk yeah. when we're still allowed in the office. And like yep. we just play a level every day and beat but get a get a star every day. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. Whereas uh, I do I haven't played Galaxy in ever since it came out. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. I haven't played Galaxy since I guess the month it launched a long time ago. That is a <laughs> while. But um I think I'm going to try out Nexomon Extinction today. So we'll yep, see cool. how that goes. And I'll come back next week with impressions. It's a, it's like, it's a Pokemon game, but not looks Pokemon. Pretty, it's called Nexomon. It looks pretty well made too. It, it's definitely. Yeah, it does. It, yep. Yep. It looks, it looks good. That's why I'm yep. excited to try it out. But with that, those are the games we were playing. So let's get into question block and ask some questions. And this Sweet. first question is from Daniel Griffin. And this question was actually from last week, but I liked it a lot. So I wanted to bring it up. And they ask, what kind of game playing quirks or quirk do you have? For example, hoarding inventory and rarely or not using anything unless required, not letting a character get KO'd or killed in RPGs. And if you do, you reload the last save, worried that you did not interact with every single thing in a town or in an area, etc. What it's do you like have? It's reading. <laughs> It's like he's reading my mind. I, I, I have to, I have to admit all of those. I am a horrible hoarder. Me too. To a fault where I keep things way too late. Like honestly, mm-hmm. like just notice that in New Super Mario Brothers too. Like my inventory is always full. Um, in Resident Evil, I'm always out of inventory space. I never want to use herbs. If I get damaged, I reload the last checkpoint. Um, and then uh, I would say the one thing you didn't in Zelda always just carry way too many swords that i'll never that i'll never be able to use like one of each element and all of that but um the one thing um you didn't mention is uh when traversing just constantly jumping like <laughs> I, I i run through games i don't just run i go yeah like do the triple jump all oh, yeah. the time and in sunshine i always jump jump slide jump jump slide right like it, or, you know, whenever you're waiting for something, like in a game, you're waiting for an elevator or something, just constantly jumping. That right. sort of fidgety well, thing. In, in Ocarina of Time, it was it was faster to do the roll. Um, 
the, the side steps when you're an adult too, right? Oh, so yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like backflip all the way to the castle. Yep. Yeah, I, what I'd about forgotten. You? I'd forgotten that you could do like a you could chain long jumps in sixty four. You could just like you know hit L and and jump, and so you're just like wahoo, 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 and it's you're just so clearing fun, so much space. Yeah. In in uh, what was it in Twilight Princess? Just constantly swinging the sword while running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you guys do any of the stuff he describes? I definitely, I definitely hoard items like in in RPGs and stuff. Like, um, I, I get to like later stages and have like hundreds of high potions and phoenix downs and mega elixirs and stuff. Obviously, I'm talking about Final Fantasy here, but yeah, that's uh, uh I'm pretty guilty of that. I, I hoard stuff in in RPGs a lot. Um, yeah, I'm also a constant jumper. I feel like I'm always, you know, hopping around, um, in Mario games, but yeah, I, you're not too far off base pair. I feel like I'm right there with you. So I, when playing RPGs, I have to talk to everyone in a town or else I'll feel like I missed something, but this Mm. is, so this is something Pokemon trained me to do because you have to talk to those NPCs to like, maybe one of them will give you a free Pokemon, like in Pokemon yellow or an item or like. I don't know. There's a ton or a TM. There's a ton of important stuff that you get only from talking to random NPCs. So now I just like, well, I guess I have to do this every time. And if people are ever watching me play those games, they get really sick and tired of it. And it takes me forever to get through games because of it. So I find that is one of the more annoying design things that have popped up over the years is this sort of this sort of oh if i don't talk to everyone i might i might miss out on a secret i i find that to be annoying as is the like if you play games like last of us going like i wonder if there's anything in that house and then you spend five minutes and the answer is no and like (laughs) i i feel like there are better ways to design those moments and actually xenoblade definitive edition on your map um, characters of consequence are marked in green and so already that like that little thought changes things that yep. you go because otherwise you run through town and guy goes like i hate the rain and then the next person's like the rain it's not so fun you're like okay already right <laughs> um i i'm i'm with you I, I i honestly think it it can break the flow of games when you feel <laughs> compelled to talk to every character in town that mm-hmm. is so when i was a kid i almost i used guides a lot because i just I don't know. I I still had fun with guides, but with Pokemon, that's why I had it open to know like, okay, like where do I need to go to find all the items and who do I need to talk to? So I don't miss anything. So I don't have to come back. So (laughs) I would like have those open for that, (laughs) but I also hoard. And that's one of the other things that I look up all the time is like, okay, what items can I actually sell? Cause I'm always afraid of selling something that will become useful later on. So then I just end up with a ton of stuff. Like in Skyrim, I just had boxes of random trash that i was never going to use yeah cheese wheels but i so appreciate games that have like a sell all junk button where you don't even have to think about it Mm -hmm. and that that is yeah those are i mean you can really tell when people really thought through the design when they offer you ways to figure out the value of things so that you're not constantly second guessing when you're taking an action Mm -hmm. i really like that at the same time like you could argue well in real life you you don't you never know whether something is valuable and so maybe you need to um hang on to it uh mm-hmm. but but yeah it, it's just there's so many games that encourage bad behaviors mm-hmm. like games where you just pick <laughs> encourage up bad behaviors i love <laughs> like it like out right like think about it like you you just pick up random crap yeah. like just constantly checking every shelf is that really fun i'd add metroid prime to that where it's like the action gets interrupted because you're worried about missing out on scanning something because there's some some enemies you'll never be able to scan later again so you constantly go so it's like a first person scanner or like take the arkham games where you always pop it into detective vision to see something and so you're spending most of the game most of the time of this incredibly pretty game in black and white in in detective vision yeah yeah i'm I'm a i'm a notorious detective vision pinger too that's a really bad habit too that's funny yeah so yep. those are our gaming quirks. I think we have time for one more short question. And this is from Jason Lynch. And they ask, are you playing any, are you planning on playing any Breath of the Wild inspired games that are coming soon, like Immortals Phoenix Rising or Genshin Impact? Zach? Yeah, I definitely, uh, that Immortals game looks awesome. Uh, I yeah. agree. Yeah. And like, that's I'm super stoked. I'm super stoked for that. I think that the 
we're just now getting to a point where we're seeing games that are breath of the wild likes, you know, like that, that the development cycle is just now getting to a point three years on where ghost of Tsushima and Genshin impact and in, in, in Odyssey. Yeah. Like they're all AC sort Odyssey. of, um, yeah. well, AC Odyssey was a couple of years ago. So that one was a yeah. quick turnaround. If you know, if there yeah. was anything implemented there, but yeah, that immortal Phoenix rising game has a terrible name, but looks awesome. Like I really can't wait to play that game. I yeah. completely but, agree. I yeah, love that, what we saw one, at the Ubisoft forward. Yeah. I think Genshin Impact is, in the end, it looks visually similar, but it is a very different game. It is much more RPG, um, mm-hmm. whereas like Phoenix Rising is a little bit more like an Assassin's Creed slash Breath of the Wild game. And I, I mean, and I, yeah, will say, looks- I, I will say, you know, N- Nintendo did an amazing job with Breath of the Wild, but some of the some of the gameplay elements were more re- reminiscent of Ubisoft open world games, right? Like the whole kind Towers. of climbing the tower to unlock the the region on the map, like that sort of stuff was in Ubisoft games before it was in a Zelda game uh, mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it's interesting to see now games reacting reacting to Breath of the Wild and what Breath of the Wild for the table was this. Kind of unshackled approach of saying hey if you figure out a way on how to get up on that mountain go ahead right whereas like a lot of games put up walls or have a closed door and that door is only open when xyz happens the elder's right. like hey knock yourself out if you can mm-hmm. if you can muster up the stamina to climb up there go for it and then you get killed by a freaking lionel or something or you get all the way up there and it's like a purple rupee and you're like well okay <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, yeah <laughs> exactly sometimes the purple ruby is all you need it's the last thing to get yep. it's good enough yeah or you find a korok and drop a rock on their head uh, uh, yeah <laughs> perfect and with that that is about all we have for nintendo voice chat this week remember you can catch us on thursdays at 3 p.m pacific time every week and remember nintendo voice chat is the only place you can get the thing Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.